What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Face the Heel. Paul and I here, ready to have some good times talking about what happened this past week. Uh, some interesting stuff, some not so interesting stuff. Let's start with the good stuff first. Uh, so, honestly, people are hating on it. I enjoyed Raw Underground. I think that has potential. I know a lot of people are complaining that it's a ripoff of what other people did. But, honestly, I kind of look at it as a better version of Heat and Velocity, which WWE started... 15, 16 years ago, even though they got rid of it. Well, hi, Ralph. It's good to see you. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I guess, you I, guess I could have introduced Paul, but <laughs> we all know he's here. Um, we're at the point, and we've been at this point for, I guess it's safe to say, you could, uh, probably a solid 15 years. But anytime WWE does something, especially within like the past four or five years, anytime they do something that's outside the box or they do something that's different... Hell, anything, anything they do normally is just criticized by Ever. a lot of people. And, of course, Shane McMahon coming back, them recording a, like, underground-style of wrestling in a back room with, like, sure dusty is. back room with dancers and, a, like, a broken ring. It, of course, it was going to get criticism. I'm not... It was, it was 20 minutes on it, it one Monday. It's weird to me, though. With the, the no-name guy trying to make him look cool, which is what I thought it was just going to be. Like, a bunch of no-name guys doing moves and trying mm. to look cool. But then we got Eric Rowan. He's, er, uh, Eric and Ivar stepped up, but only Eric fought. He looked badass. Hanson and Rowe. Right? Yes. That was, yeah. I still uh, wish we'd call them by their uh, yeah, war that, names. That, that's what screws <laughs> me up sometimes is the changes from brand to brand and... Company to company. Yeah. Uh, then we got Dolph Ziggler, which he actually got to kind of do some proper wrestling moves. Like, dude was a collegiate wrestler and very talented. So I, I think there's huge potential. I know a lot of people are bagging on it, but there are even some wrestlers who aren't being used right now. Like uh, ZLE on NXT, she was like, yo, put me on Raw Underground. Let me let me mess some people up. I I think that when, when ratings are down and ratings for wrestling kind of in its entirety has been plummeting for the past few years yeah but when especially when you're your monday night raw your smackdown where not too long ago monday night raw was pulling on average like four million people they're barely getting like 1.6 million now i want to say it's like barely 1.2 or they're reaching they're reaching like record lows of viewership so you really can't fault a company for trying something new um even if it is similar to something someone else is doing, like whatever, let right. them try something new. Like, give us something. I guess it's still way too early, and everybody's going to speculate on this, and everybody's going to say it's crap before it can actually develop. Or people are saying it's awesome when we don't really know if it's going to be awesome. We saw one episode's worth of Raw Underground. Right off the bat, the the thing that I immediately like jumps out to me is. When a wrestler goes to Raw Underground and a wrestler's on Monday Night Raw, it kind of feels like two distinct, distinctly different shows. And I don't know if that's what they're going to go for. Like, it almost feels like a wrestler who's got to, like, wrestle on Monday Night Raw under the lights in the actual ring, and then they go have a match on Raw Underground. The, the, the wrestler itself takes on a different attitude. The wrestler itself sort of, like, takes on a different persona. It's just got that different feel to it. I don't know how it's going to mesh. They almost feel too much like two different shows. And if that's the route they're going to go, that's fine. But I was not expecting Dolph Ziggler to be there. I was not expecting, like, the the Hurt Business to be there. I was not expecting, yes, actual, like, faces of Monday Night Raw to be in there. I thought it was going to be a way to maybe, once in a blue moon, a named wrestler comes out. But it was going to be a way to, like, take independent guys or guys who haven't been used or a lot of some of the NXT guys and showcase them in a more attitude-esque sort of badass way. It just, it almost feels like two different shows and I, I'm i willing to see where it goes. I just don't know if I want that to be unless they straight up make the distinction. But again, this is me doing what I said that everyone's going to do. They're going to speculate. Well, I also think it's funny that you say uh, like, you know, like no-name wrestlers, like that's what it's going to be about. I like. I'm pretty sure the uh, the big giant black guy with the dreads was Dio, that we haven't yes. seen in ever since he got removed from broadcasting. Right. Uh, so like 
obviously they are going to use some developmental talent, but I think the big thing is, like, other than the Hurt Business, obviously showing their personality and their personas, like, Viking Raiders showed up just to kind of fight, and same with Dolph Ziggler, like, Raw Underground almost feels like you don't need personalities. It's, it's literally supposed to be, like, a cage fight. Like, you just go in, you fight each other, like the ones you see in movies and stuff. I guess Raw Underground, I think, is very good for somebody like the War Raiders. I think this is a way to, like, have them taken seriously again and have them get back to the popularity when they were the War Raiders yeah, back in NXT. Yeah, they are. As this is not a knock on Dolph Ziggler, but I just don't know if Dolph Ziggler belongs in a raw underground sort of inf- like inf- atmosphere. Not saying I don't not like, I'm not saying I don't like it, but there are certain guys I think that can go there, like Eric and Ivar, and the viewer says like that makes sense and I'm fine with that, but somebody like Dolph Ziggler. Somebody like, if like Ricochet went there, they don't mesh, I think, with what they want Raw Underground to be. But then again, we don't really know what Raw Underground is supposed to be at this point. Yeah, and I definitely understand what you're saying. I think certain things, like if you look at uh, like Ricochet, he's all about the high flying and the area, like, uh, Ariatics and stuff like that. So it's like him being there with no ropes and no high-flying offense, yeah, Ricochet makes no sense. I feel like someone with maybe, like, Dolph having his wrestling background, like, you can almost kind of get, like, almost an MMA UFC feel. Like, there's going to be, like, more ground game than you see in actual wrestling matches. It it looked a lot more like that. It was a lot more raw. It looked a lot more like a MMA match. It was a little more brutal. And, of course, it was all still choreographed and whatnot. But outside of all the, like, camera cuts every half a second... Yeah, that they need to work on. The visuals of it and the aesthetics of it and not uh, the actual like aesthetics of the wrestling didn't look bad. So guys like Bobby Lashley and big guys who do have that MMA background and that wrestling background who are just like big guys who don't use the ropes like you said can definitely benefit from something like that. But I mean... I don't mean to kind of just sound like a broken record, but, like, are we going to introduce, like, a raw underground belt? Is our, is, 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 is her business just going to every now and then go to raw underground and then just say, okay, the belts mat, the, the, there are no belts here. None of these matches matter. Let's just go back to raw and just do our real business and actually get a belt. So that's kind of where there's a huge gap with what they're going to do and how legitimate are people going to take raw underground when there's nothing to fight for there. But again, it's one episode. Yeah. Well, I think the next episode we'll really find out. Because what I want after the Hurt Business showing up is them literally, like, running underground. Like, they're the sleazy bookers and just, like, (laughs) the kind of scumbags that stay, like, behind scenes and in the shadows. And they orchestrate the fights. Like, MVP, I think, perfectly fits that as, like, the raw underground promoter. Like, Shane was all there about trying to be effectively a hype man. He's not, like, the person who I feel is going to run it. Whereas I think MVP, especially when you have, like, your bouncer of Bobby Lashley, like, they could make that something. I thought they were going to announce it, and it was, was going to be its own, like, hour, like, like eight. I thought dark. that, too. I thought that Raw was going to end at 10, and they were going to do Raw yeah. around from 10 to 11. And I'll be honest with you, I really, really liked that idea. I, I think I would have been I was hoping they'd do that, because that essentially means Raw goes back to, go, Raw goes down to being a two-hour show. Which, which is I, what they should have done, they should be doing. I think for the longest time, three hours was fine because they had the talent. Well, they still do. They still do, and they still did. They're just not using the talent. Well, they're either not using it or the talent's not there because they're still home. Like, well, I'll point out because I just like thought of them. No, I mean I'm talking like I'm talking like last year. I'm talking about like 2018 when they've had the most talented roster and they're just and what are that was them just being idiots. (laughs) Now they just don't really have access to that talent, which is why we're seeing the same ten people every week. So I think they could definitely restructure it and either getting, like, an hour-long episode or even a half-hour episode, like, weekly on the network or even, like, cut Raw to 10.30 and then for a half-hour do Raw Underground. Like, I'd be down for that. I mean... I think this Monday we'll find out. Well, here's the the way I'll kind of conclude my thoughts on this because there's still so much to speculate and we don't know where it's going to go. It sounds cliche, but with this Raw Underground, if it's done right and they actually have a clear, concise plan, 
they very may have well have caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Or this very well could just turn into Eric Rowan's spider in the cage 2.0. Oh, God. And they <laughs> don't... about that. It could be they don't have a direction. They don't have a plan. It was just something to try to catch viewership, strike when the pants hot, get that extra viewership with no actual clear direction. And that, I think, is one of the worst things they could do, but we don't know. And I think one of the phrases you just said is really something I wanted to touch as well was capture viewership. Mm-hmm. So... Going into Monday Night Raw, they were like, hey, Shane McMahon's back. Hey, there's a new faction debuting. Hey, it's going back to when I talked about, I think, like, episode two about WWE being their own paparazzi. It's like, Hmm. leave some surprise. Like, Hmm. okay, sure, announce that Shane's going to be there. You'll be like, oh, there's obviously an announcement. But, like, leave Retribution alone. Like, don't announce that. Just these dudes show up. Like, make it so, oh, I just missed Monday Night Raw and something big happened. Well, now i got to watch next week. Whereas I saw that article, oh, a new faction's debuting. By the end of the night, they didn't really debut. They kind of messed with some lights, knocked some things over, threw a Molotov on something, hmm. and it's not even really a debut to me. And especially, like, we didn't even get a name till after the show was over. So there's this new quote-unquote faction coming around. It was five or six people hmm. uh, completely dressed in all black with masks on, which... We'll get into that part and uh, afterwards. And I expected a proper faction. I actually thought Shane was... I told this to you. Mean Street Posse 2.0 was showing <laughs> up to face Seth. Right. And I think help put Seth over as a heel. Obviously, we didn't get that. We got Raw Underground. And we got a new faction of superstars. We don't know who they are. We can't see their faces. They're completely covered. And they didn't like show up and just like beat people up. They just kind of showed up and caused... A, a like smidge of chaos like microphones were cutting in and out lights were flickering it I, I saw the announcement of a faction got excited and i felt like i was just so disappointed whereas if i had no idea the faction was coming i couldn't have been disappointed because i'd been like oh well, what are they planning on doing raw and smackdown wouldn't have to do things like that if they actually did these things with a clear-cut plan yep a long-term plan So instead of having to catch that lightning in the bottle viewership with like, hey, let's just do this, let's throw it at the wall, see if it sticks, and hopefully we get that extra 300,000 viewers or whatever, however many they want to increase their viewership. Instead of trying to do these things to increase their viewership for that Monday, they should just do these things but have a long-term plan so that people get invested and you don't have to just do these things sort of as like a sideshow to get the viewership because if you have a long-term plan with these storylines and they're good enough, you could just do the storyline and people are going to want, wrestling fans are going to want to watch that naturally. So what they did, they wanted to obviously get extra viewership. You don't say a McMahon is coming onto the show unless you want to try to get extra eyes on the product. But they could do Raw Underground, this new faction, if they actually have a long-term plan that has good storytelling, that goes for months on end, and it's good and worth watching, well, then you've just got the viewership you want, but you've done it the natural way, and you've done it the right way. And you don't have to say, hey, Triple H is coming down next Monday out of the blue and announce it on social media just so you can have people watch. People are going to be watching anyway because they're like, oh, this storyline is good. This faction is good. I'm interested in what they're doing because they're doing it right. And that yeah, that's that's maybe for a whole different podcast because we're going deep into like the big issues with what every wrestling fan is seeing with WWE the past X amount of months on end. I, I think my biggest takeaway is leave some surprise. Which, you know, I got the surprise with Shane not coming for something else and he gave us Raw Underground. But then the surprise of the faction, it was a big letdown for me. So I really would like that if they would stop. Like, when they were like, oh, Edge is coming back on Monday. Or, oh, this is happening. Christian's going to be here on Monday. Mm. Dude, let me get that surprise. Let me hear Christian's music and be like... Whoa, yo, Christian, what are you doing here? You know, I I know we like to go chronologically here on the podcast, but I think we should jump to the end Just of talk Friday about night. all of it. Well, because we're, we're we're we've talked enough about this. I think it's fair. I was the, actually so, considering that so the su- the surprise happened on SmackDown. Yeah, we got the and surprise there. We all thought Retribution was only going to be on Monday, especially mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. NXT came. Mm-hmm. There was no Retribution, so it was like, oh, okay, Retribution is going to be a faction on Raw. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we start watching SmackDown. You started getting, you know, mic issues again during the Kevin Owens show. Uh, some flickerings here and there. So it's, like, very obvious retribution there. 
because obviously the flickering just happened on Monday night, which I definitely found as a surprise because I didn't expect them to be on SmackDown mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but then I, I don't think I was happy with how it was executed. I'm very on the fence. So at the end of the show, there's only a few minutes left. Uh, Retribution comes, I think, out of the crowd, or did they come from the ramp? It was on the crowd. Out of the crowd. So they just come through the barricades. They each have a weapon in hand, like a bat, a crowbar, a whole bunch of stuff. And they just, like, overtake the ring. And this is after everyone's, like, left the ring. There's no wrestlers. They're not interrupting a match or anything. They just... They chased everyone away. Yeah, well, they chased away Michael they Cole. They chased and Michael Graves, Cole and Corey Graves. They chased poor them. Corey Graves did trip on the corner and fell. I did feel bad for my guy. Uh, I love Corey Graves. But, like, yeah, that's, like, all they did was chase them away. They kind of get in. And they just start talking shit to uh, the quote-unquote audience with mm-hmm. the NXT and the developmental stars and the tags on them. And then they leave, go back around the barricade, and they just randomly attack, like, four people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my big issue was they, they just, like, punched and kicked them. Mm-hmm. We didn't get, like... It, it really felt like if you and I grabbed four people, went in somewhere, and just started punching people. That That's what it was. It's not like they brought them into the ring, was like, yo, let me do this, like... Uh, standing shooting star press let me do this moonsault like they didn't give us wrestling moves to show like they're wrestlers like they didn't like wow me in any way uh they went out they beat up some people and it does look like there's uh what could be two females and then probably three or four males Uh, i can't remember if it was five or six people and yeah that's all they did was they punched and kicked a couple people threw one into the uh glass case and then they got back in the ring pulled out a bunch of spray cans spray-painted all over the place uh, on the glass casing, separating the audience from the wrestlers. Uh, On the mat itself, they crossed a red line through the SmackDown apron, and then they just started vandalizing everything. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it was supposed to be, like, Nexus debut 2.0. But, like, when they showed up, they demolished John Cena Mm -hmm. and then tore apart the arena. They chased away the commentators, flipped over tables, took apart the ring... They, literally, it was it was that all over again, except they just beat up some random people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure how I feel about this yet. Uh, it was interesting. One of the things they spray painted was the WWE symbol with a uh, like cancel sign through it. Mm-hmm. So I think something we did talk about because we did watch SmackDown together was well, where were the superstars like. You think the people like Matt Riddle and yeah. AJ and all Kevin Owens and stuff, and like these people are just gonna like let them come in? Like when Nexus showed up, like people like John Cena and Edge who hated each other came together to fight these people, mm-hmm. which you know, I think they made the mistake of burying Nexus before they could get going. So I'm hoping they don't do that again here. But I think my big issue was I don't know if it's insensitivity or someone thought it was an actual smart idea of them dressing like protesters mm-hmm. and like we said people from antifa right. in complete black black maskings instead why don't you give them like a mask like the purge or uh hollywood undead or slipknot like i give make them look different i, I just felt it was very right awkward. it's they went an angle with like with what's going on in the country today with the you know political and civil unrest and protests that are around the country it's it's very clear that WWE took what's happening on within the country today, a you know taking a political movement that's happening, and they wanted to turn it into a storyline. Um, I, I think like they if that's what they're going for, they did a pretty good job actually getting that portrayed across and the end of SmackDown. I think they actually did a pretty good job at that. Whether or not it's like tasteful or it's the time or place to do a storyline like that is all subjective. I don't really have an opinion on it. It's wrestling, and I can, I can see something like that and just take it at face value for it being wrestling and being a wrestling storyline. Um, if they see, there's also a thing with like people want to go back to the Attitude Era, or they or they they want an edgier storyline and. This very well could be, you know, kind of a dark storyline, and people are upset about it. You know, so it's it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I, again, don't have an opinion on it. I, again, with what's going on politically, I don't know if this is a storyline I would do, but WWE has never really shied away from 
doing that wow factor or that shock factor yeah. kind of thing. Well, obviously not. Vince said the N-word on TV once. <laughs> yeah. So in front of crime time. You're right. So why am I shocked that they've they, you know they've done something political here? But um, you know, if they have a storyline involved, then I think it could do well. But again, it just kind of boils down to there needs to be a storyline with what WWE does. You can't just do something just for the sake of doing it and say, we'll cross our T's and dot our I's later. You need to like address that as you start a storyline arc. Yep. And they've started a pretty, what, what looks to be like, this is a pretty intense, you know, very like real storyline that they've decided to run with. So... Yeah, and I think something you just said there, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That is probably, like, the biggest thing in wrestling. You cannot appease everyone. It's literally impossible. Right. You're always going to make someone mad. For instance, uh, I think, honestly, the even the Goldberg-Bray Wyatt-Fiend match, there were people that actually were happy Goldberg won the title. The most liked Instagram photo in WWE history. But then there were people, which I still think was probably the vast majority, was very upset. Not only how right. the match went, but the fact the Fiend lost. So wrestling is always going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm not saying that this is horrible already and I hate it. I know a lot of people are going to be that way because of the whole, you know, comparing it to the protesters right now. I think I was just, similar to Monday Night Raw, hearing about this faction coming, I was very, like... I don't want to say let down, but that's how it feels. Like, mm. they showed up, they vandalized stuff. I was like, all right. And then when they went to go fight people, I, I wanted them to drag people <clears> in the <throat> ring and show that they're superstars, not just random people, possibly. But, well, so I, here's the thing. Two things, and a kind of good news based off what you just said. The one about them not just showing that they're superstars, right, superstars right off the bat, could mean one... They do have a long-term story planned with this, and they don't just want to spill the beans right away. Yeah. They might have a long-term story plan. Or two, people were talking about like the physical aspects of the, the hooded people who came out and vandalized things. What if those guys aren't Retribution? They're just guys that were hired lackeys. by Retribution. They were lackeys of Retribution. Which is definitely so, possible. I think that might be a little... Those are two, But those are two things that... Why they didn't just show who it was? Well, they probably have a long-term storyline, and they want to like keep viewership and build the story, or they're building the story without actually revealing who Retribution is. And I think both of those would be very, from a wrestling standpoint, if they did either one of those things, which they essentially did do the one thing they didn't reveal who was who. I mean, that's a that's a check mark in the right direction for but for them. Something you and I talked about after Monday Night Raw was the potential of who these could be. And I am praying this is the case, that they effectively took uh, unused NXT superstars and created this faction. And I think there's huge potential behind that, especially after, like, doing the canceled WWE sign. Like, yeah. when they do reveal who they are, like, kind of like Aces and Eights and TNA back in the day, one by one they all got revealed. And they were named wrestlers. It was D'Lo Brown, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, and Devon. Like, it was all relevant. Uh, Gallows was there. Uh, all relevant people wasn't just no names so like if all of a sudden you like pull back a mask and one of them's Tommaso Ciampa and he mm. can pitch a storyline of they WWE says they have nothing for me creative says they mm. don't have an angle I'll make my own angle and I think mm. they could really like go somewhere with that especially because there are so many unused talents in general in WWE mm. one of the ones I said was uh, one of the women her uh, hood did come down and I saw what looked like very similar to Amber Moon's hair. Mm. And she yeah. is still with the WWE, but she yeah. was injured, and she's been out for, I want to say, almost going on like two years to now. Be, yeah, to be honest, if it was Ember Moon, and they do have Ember Moon involved like this... That'd be I sweet. Think, yeah, I think that would be very, 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 very interesting, and I think that would actually... That's a good step for her character in the right direction to really like get her introduced again, but and introduced same, as a badass. And I'm same thing it. as Tommaso Ciampa, her being like, I've been cleared for all this time... And they're trying to tell me they have nothing for me, so I'm going to make my own thing. I think that could be something. The only thing we have to take at face value is Tommaso Ciampa has outright said, if I get called up, I'm going to retire from wrestling. He has <laughs> said that, but I feel like so this is... Why the, would he lie? This is the <laughs> one way you can almost convince him, like, hey, we want Nexus 2.0, except we're going to make it work. We're not going to have you immediately Maybe. lose to John Cena, Edge, R-Truth, and all these big name people. 
just to immediately bury you and then try to save you by bringing CM Punk in and then it's still failing because even CM Punk couldn't save those guys' careers after what WWE did. So I still think, and like, uh, you know, someone we did talk about, Dominic Dijakovic, mm-hmm. it looked like he was going to be set to come up on a main roster because he's, I don't want to say been buried in NXT, but, you know, he's on a losing streak. He's been losing to the big guys there, such as Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. So I, I looked at it as a, he's coming to the main roster. Someone else we haven't seen in quite some time, Velveteen Dream. Sure, that's probably due to personal issues going on backstage, but right. yet again, we have all these big possible names that I think if they took it in that direction that they're like, you know, creative and WWE doesn't want to give us work, we'll make our own work. It's kind of effectively what Nexus's right. uh, MO was. They were kind of like the shield when they showed up. They were like, out with the old, in with the new. Right. Um we definitely, we definitely spent a lot of time talking about this, but I feel like this was the big storyline of the it week. Um, I guess we'll move on to other stuff. I want to say one more thing, and this is just total hypothetical. Um, I hope that somehow the hacker is involved with Retribution. He's because I Well, it was referenced a few weeks ago. Was Didn't he? Sasha reference it? Or somebody, somebody referenced the hacker. So the thing is, is again, that the hacker was something that a lot of people were invested in. They built it up where people were interested, and for them to just throw it away because they don't have a long-term story plan is just everything that's wrong with WWE storyline telling. So I'm hoping, and I'm trying to give them credit, that they didn't just throw it away. If the hacker could be involved in anything, it makes the most sense that he's involved with these like people who are hiding their identity, wearing a hood, which is exactly what the hacker did. Yep. It is, but to like do everything with the hacker and, and get not. everybody excited... And he would fit so well in there, or, or she would fit so well in the storyline, just to like ignore it because they're like, well, we didn't have anything really planned. That would just be terrible look for WWE. So, which, uh, even if they didn't have an outcome, which I, I firmly believe the hacker, just like everyone else, uh, was going to be Mustafa Ali, but then they were talked and they decided to move him from SmackDown to Raw. Mm-hmm. And since they no longer knew what to do with the hacker, they just made it disappear and hope people forgot about it because the person who it was... Instead of just transferring the hacker from SmackDown to Raw, which I think you definitely could have done, uh, they just we haven't seen it, and they they did kind of reference it, but I I, I think they have a chance. Like they can just replace the person and bring it back as the hacker is the leader of Retribution, mm-hmm. which would make sense for the lighting issues, the microphone issues, how they can get in and out of the yeah, place. Exactly. You can definitely exactly. pull it. The big issue is we you and I just saw it. You and I saw that out. Does that mean WWE saw the out? I feel like the answer is no. If the probably average not. person is coming up with an idea, yeah, WWE went, means went the opposite WWE way. thought that was like too little and too crappy. Yes. No, we're not doing it. Or they didn't think of it. Right. So I, I, that, that is a great idea. And literally, you that's the first time you said it to me and the first time I thought of it. And in five minutes, I felt like we just came up with a good way mm-hmm. to not only tie something they tried to do before, which they obviously did not have an out. They didn't know how it was going to end because... Well, it just ended abruptly. Right. So we tie it into a new storyline and make one storyline going good. So yeah. I'm hoping they, being the smart people they are, can see that. And e- even if they don't, I feel like it's going to be one of those things they just want you to forget about the hacker. Obviously, we're not going to. We haven't seen him in what months, and we just thought of him again. So I, I think that would well, be good. If WWE is listening, we just, you know, we did your job you know, for hey, you. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll DM <laughs> this to them. Be like, hey, why don't you listen to our episode? Um. Yeah, so we'll... We'll just leave it. At, we'll see where it goes. Um, I guess we might. We're just kind of jumping around today. There, I think it was just retribution, which is just that across two shows we had to talk about that, and we can talk about the Pat McAfee Adam Cole angle that I'm not happy with. But I, I know you're me not being happy a hater. With that. Uh, I was actually shocked that before NXT went on the air, they posted on social media and Twitter that. Adam Cole and Pat McAfee buried the hatchet, which, for anyone who didn't see, uh, Adam Cole went on Pat McAfee's... Is it a podcast? Yeah. yeah he went on his show, uh, and Pat McAfee started making comments about mm-hmm. him being small, him being this small, scrawny guy. Yeah. And he did it one too many times to where Adam Cole flipped out. Yeah. He, like, threw equipment all over the place, got in Pat McAfee's face, and he ended up storming off, and Pat was like, what just happened? He, he tried to make it look like uh, Adam Cole was the bad guy, and he was just trying to joke look, around. I want to interrupt you before we go deeper, because ironically enough, what we just talked about with bad long-term storytelling in the last uh, with Retribution, the um, somebody posted online like three or four clips of, in the past, Adam Cole 
yelling and being annoyed at Pat McAfee from like, I think like from like months ago. So this is an, a great example of long-term storytelling <laughs> without anybody actually knowing they were trying to tell a story. Um, <laughs> like there's so many, I, I wish I like had the link. I'll try to find it and I'll send it to you so you can put it online or something. But um, there was just like, there were there was like an, a, a pay-per-view viewership with the NXT guys and Pat McAfee was there. And he was just, he was saying something about Undisputed Era and Adam Cole just like, he just yells like, shut up, Pat, and he screams, and it's hilarious, and the whole vibe of the room changed, and this was like from, this was months ago, so I like to think that, I, you know, totally like kind of contradicting what I said a few minutes ago, but maybe this was something they had planned a long time ago, and they it just, have. they came down to now, hey, let's have Adam Cole and Pat McAfee actually have a storyline, and doing that when Adam Cole flipped out and pushed the, the, the producer, uh, it was <laughs> Every like I thought the clip was hilarious. I love Adam Cole. He can Adam do Cole, he can do no wrong to me. Adam Cole is amazing, oh. <laughs> and I think uh, something I talked about yesterday when I was here watching SmackDown was uh, they've been building it up. Definitely, if it was long term, they've been building it to make it look like Adam Cole is a prick and he is the heel, and he was like picking on Pat McAfee, who's mm -hmm. just this guy trying to commentate and have fun. Uh, right. He went on this dude's show, flipped out after this guy was just trying to joke around and have fun. Uh, they make it look like the hatchet was buried, and so Pat McAfee comes out for the last two matches to commentate with, uh, you know, like Beth Phoenix, Morrow, and he did one match, and then they were like, coming up next is Undisputed Era, and Pat McAfee's like, you know, I'm going to stay for this one, we're all friends now, uh, we're going to, like, bury the hatchet, I'm going to watch them, because we're friends, we're cool, and so all of Undisputed Era came out, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish fought Imperium for the NXT Tag Team Championships, and Roderick Strong and Adam Cole decided, you know, we're going to stay ringside and support our friends, and it's really showing the whole, like, Yui wants to get back on top, so theoretically you're expecting them to do heel things and undisputed things to get those titles back, so obviously it's like, okay, they're going to get involved and they're going to win. Instead, uh, Pat McAfee started yet again start making comments, start making jokes, and poking fun at Adam Cole, and was starting to actually just be, like, a belligerent jerk, not just, like, someone trying to, like, poke a joke, because it was, every sentence was, let me make fun of Adam Cole. Mm -hmm. To which, the help sell it more, they had Beth Phoenix storm off in the middle of a commercial break, and they made sure they pointed out that Pat McAfee drove off Beth Phoenix, and then he's like, wow, yeah, that's very unprofessional of her. And he's just, yet again, furthering more, him actually being a huge jerk... And not Adam Cole. And even Morrow and the other commentator was like, y you know Adam Cole's 20 feet from you. He can probably hear everything you say. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're friends though. It's cool. I'm just joking. I'm, I'm just joking. And so finally in the middle of the match, Adam Cole walks over and he even says, I'm 20 feet from you. I can hear everything <laughs> you're saying. Shut up. And he gets in his face. And I'm like, I don't even think this is jerk Adam Cole. This is just a man sticking up for himself. And so all of a sudden, from what was supposed to be Adam Cole being the heel and Pat McAfee just being this celebrity guest, in almost like an instance, it turned from Adam Cole is actually just being bullied and he's standing up to the bully, which is Pat McAfee, and escalates. Uh, Adam Cole throws a water in Pat McAfee's face. He stands up. They're getting in each other's faces, which causes Roderick Strong to come over to separate them. And Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish obviously are like, yo, what's going on with our friend? They get distracted, taken out from behind, and Imperium ends up hitting them and retaining the titles. I honestly did not see that ending coming. If anything, I thought Pat McAfee was maybe going to help them win and kind of like join the UE and be like their spokesperson or their endorsement or something. But instead, we got what looks like is going to be Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee yeah. at NXT TakeOver 30. Which, you know, they did kind of start building it up. Uh, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole was going back and forth, back and forth with their comments. Uh, Adam Cole got right in his face, so referees came out. Shawn Michaels came out. Triple H came out. Everyone was like, yo, yo, you guys need to break this up. This ain't cool. Pat, you need to leave. You know, and Pat, of course, going, oh, this is unprofessional. How are you going to kick me out? You invited me. Really selling the whole, like... I'm actually a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm not this nice guy. And I love Pat McAfee. He is my third favorite all-time kicker <laughs> behind Steven Goskowski and Adam Vinatieri. He was a punter. He was a kicker. 
They're, that's a different. There's a difference. He's, kickers all get grouped together. No, they don't. Yes, they don't. <laughs> he is my third favorite of all time. He was literally like the cockiest dude ever. He walked. He did like the Vince McMahon walk on it. He's a uh, dude. Pat McAfee. I love him. And I thought what he was doing was great. And he even was starting to walk away, and he decided, no, I'm going to get back in his face, gets past the uh, the referees, and Adam Cole wants to get to him. So he decides, I will literally crawl across this commentary desk to get to you. And as he's, like, starting to hang off it, Pat McAfee punts his head off, which I did not see coming. Adam Cole sold it very well. He laid on the ground unconscious, didn't move an inch, like... I think that might have been almost better than any Randy Orton punt. Mm-hmm. Like, it's up there with those. And, you know, Triple H shoves Pat McAfee. I thought Triple H was going to throw hands. I was starting to get real excited. I was getting hyped. <sighs> and I think it has potential, but it has to be done right. But I think the big thing I said to you is, are they going to try to make UE face? I would like that. I think no matter what they are, similar to... Miz, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, I love them no matter what. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, they've been building this up to Kyle O'Reilly giving these like really kind of heartfelt promos of saying like, yo, we need to get back to our glory days to all of a sudden, if they're being bullied by someone else, they're not doing the bullying. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, one, it's 4v1, so obviously Pat McAfee has to get friends. Right. Whether he's bringing outside help or he's going to make well, friends in NXT. There's so much that I kind of want to unpack here. Like, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Is Adam Cole the top guy in NXT? Yes. The answer is yes. He is your That's top okay. guy. I love Karen Cross. I think, like, obviously Keith Lee holds the belt, but, like... He's number three to me. Adam Cole is probably, like, the top guy, I would say, in NXT. And to have him, like, there's nothing better you could do for your top guy than to fight Pat McAfee, who's just a freaking goofball. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with this match. Of course, it's just a wrestling fan and a huge Adam Cole fan, and of course, it's TakeOver, so I'm going to watch. But, like, I don't see how you develop this match into anything other than, like, a complete squash match where Adam Cole just obliterates Pat McAfee. Or, like, are they legitimately trying to make Pat McAfee into a wrestler? And I don't I don't know how much, how interested I am in watching Pat McAfee, the WWE superstar. Like, I just don't... When Ron Gronkowski was announced that he signed with WWE, and is he going to wrestle? Like I just had, I didn't care. Yeah, which it's, it could be similar to Ronda. Like they could have been possibly training and working with Pat McAfee over the past six, nine, twelve months, making him into a wrestler, which is a possibility. But I think with UE involved and the fact that it's NXT and not Raw or SmackDown, they've been very good at creating a storyline and carrying it out. There are very few NXT storylines where I was like, well, that didn't wrap up what happened, or that just sucked. Right, which is why I, as somebody who's kind of being a critic with this, because I I, I think it might just be, it, it feels like it could be a raw storyline, but you, you got to have faith with what you just said. You have to have faith in NXT and their storytelling and how they work their matches. So, Which is why I, I'm not completely like jump ship on this. I'm definitely gonna watch and I, like I said I have faith that it, NXT can do what NXT does and have a good match have a good storyline and keep people invested in you know in what's going on which um, is why I think everyone is gonna have mixed feelings on this because we're all cynical to the storylines now because Raw and Smackdown I, I think NXT 9 out of 10 times boom they hit it out of the park they did it great hmm. Raw and Smackdown it almost feels like it's the exact opposite like 1 out of 10 storylines work and the other 9 were like what did I just watch or like, it just ended and there was no proper ending. It's like, uh, if someone gets a 12-episode season and they get canceled on TV mm. after episode 6, you're like, well, I don't even know how this is supposed to end. <laughs> so, with it being NXT, and especially with it being Triple H and Adam Cole, who obviously Triple H wants to keep Adam Cole mm. when the storyline's over, I'd imagine they would have had to go to them and be like, here's the entire plan, the entire storyline, not, hey, we're going to do this, see how people react and go from there, which is what I feel like is the normal... WWE way. NXT is very different, and I'd imagine Hunter had to have like almost the whole plan like completely out uh, to where I think we're going to see this develop and turn into something. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be like Pat McAfee gets built up as this really huge jerk, and Adam Cole squashes him in four minutes, and everyone cheers and is excited, and all of a sudden he's a face. 
Or UE turns on Adam Cole. Pat McAfee joins oh, UE. I forgot I said that. And to this you. is the, well, or they do that, and that's their way of saying, uh, "Okay, Adam Cole, you can go to AEW." Yeah, well, because his contract's up a week after SummerSlam. It could be. They, they could literally. <laughs> we'll be, see. They could, I, it I could hope literally not. be like, "Hey, not. we had you kind of form your own Bullet Club. Now we're going to use the exact exit you used in right. Bullet Club. Have them turn." I know I said that to you, and I already forgot about it because I really don't want it to happen. Just the timing I think that would ruin UE. It could. Yeah. Who knows? Like the timing. With what they're doing, the storyline they put Adam Cole in, a UE getting bullied in a lot of their storylines now. With as of late, I mean, all signs are pointing to like, is this does does Adam Cole? It really it all comes down to what they do with UE and what they do with Pat McAfee. I guess really kind of rests on does Adam Cole want to stay with WWE? And if he doesn't, then you're going to drastically change your storyline in favor of getting the rest of UE over and Pat McAfee over, if Pat McAfee is now a WWE superstar. Which he might not even be. He could just be all, like, back in the day, I know I, like, referenced this to you, was uh, John Cena versus Kevin Federline. You know, obviously Kevin <laughs> Federline is not a wrestler. He could never go toe-to-toe with any of the wrestlers. So Eminem had to get involved with Johnny Nitro, now John Morrison, mm-hmm. and uh, Mercury, and they helped him, and even though John Cena ended up on top... You know, that could be what happens here is that the other three turn on Adam Cole, blaming him for their, like, uh, like shortcomings. And it would make sense because now they don't need someone to go for that NXT title. You just have Pat McAfee run UE, and then the other three get titles. So mm. I don't want that to happen. I love Adam Cole. But, yeah, I, I think those are the two endings they have. They're like, either you're going to be over on face and you're going to be still the top guy, or... Adam Cole, you're leaving. Well, we have to kick you out of UE mm. and keep them around. So I think he has both endings chosen, and it's literally going to come down to does Adam Cole stay? Yeah. Which I, I want agree. him to. We all do. Yeah. Um, so obviously we spent a lot of time on yeah. <laughs> I think the three biggest things of the week. Uh, everything else was, yet again, like I said last week, kind of stepping stones to get things ready. Uh, I did call something right. I told you Dakota Kai was going to go for the title. Yeah, what are they doing with Rhea Ripley? Ruining her? She's taking L's that she shouldn't be taking. And I, I you know, don't want to spend a lot of time with this because it's, she's not completely ruined yet. If, again, you trust the NXT cycle and you have faith in the NXT storylines, like... I think some, she's long-term payoff. They don't want sure. her to immediately lose to Io Shirai, and they also don't want Io Shirai to, like, lose only after a couple months. This right. is going back to what we talked about last week. Like, do you want someone with a bunch of title reigns or someone with meaningful title reigns? Right. The problem, and the thing is that the clear top women in NXT are Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, and it's a shame that they both can't have a belt, and that's the problem, is how do you get two women to, like, both be the champion? And the answer is you can't. There's no good way to do that. So... You make a good point. Like it's long-term payoff because you gotta let Io Shirai be champion because Io Shirai is a fantastic wrestler. She's very popular, super over, incredible like face of the company. Yep. But in the same time, when her reign is done, then you just have Rhea Ripley take over because, like, I said, if there was a way to have them both be champions, you do it. There's for just sure. no, there's no way for them to both be champions. So. I think that long-term storytelling, Rhea gets retribution and she'll become NXT champion again. And then Io will kind of fall to the wayside and go down maybe a similar storyline that Rhea's in right now. But it, I think when knows? Io loses, it's one of two things are happening. She's going to be like your girl Kari and she's going to move on to other things. Mm. Or she's going to go to a different show. While we got, while you said my girl, Kyrie Sane, um, we forgot to talk about it last episode. Uh Really sad to see Kyrie go, yep. but we wish her all the best. I wish her all the best. She's going back to Japan to be Either closer her with her family, and um, I think to start a family too. Yeah, well, she's married, and yeah, so start well, a family. I think they yeah literally have intentions yeah. to start a family. I think though the way they sent her off was really wholesome, really great. It showed that she made such an impact on WWE and everybody from like her her. You know her her constituents and her coworkers, her fellow wrestlers, all the way up to like top brass in WWE. They all loved her. Um, they had her in her last match pin the double champion Bailey. Yep. Cleanly, and then there was just so much, um, so many like video tributes online. Yep. To her, and there was a hashtag "Thank You Kyrie" going. So 
really just goes to show how amazing Kyrie Sane was and the kind of impact she had. And I'm really, really sad to see her go. Her one of my favorite moments was her beating Shayna at uh, Takeover and yeah. becoming the champion. Everyone freaked out. One about of the best moments. Uh, I mean, in, in wrestling for me. So I'm really sad to see Kyrie go. Love Kyrie. Gonna miss her, but wish her all the best. She's doing what's best for her. And I still think like yeah, she got to win her last match, but also like her the following week letting Bailey beat her up to like further the Oscar sure, absolutely Sasha sort like it, it's made Oscar because like they've also posted videos after Raw like Oscar literally telling Kari like that she changed her and like she's been her best friend yeah, like, it was so was very heartfelt it was, was so very... sad did you see the video where Oscar said. Like, she was so lonely yep. until Kyrie came. Dude, I was and trying now to... now Kyrie's and, leaving again. Like, That's so she, sad. She was just so, like, like heartfelt yeah. and truthful. It was like when Becky told her that she was pregnant. I yeah. legitimately don't think she knew because her reaction looked genuinely yeah. happy. So I think this was a good way to, like, make it so Asuka is, like, her NXT days. Like, she was this, like, the empress that no yeah. one is ready for without making her heal. Like, face Asuka is definitely great. So... Obviously, they're going to set it up where Asuka and Sasha feud more. And it was just, like, great because, like, Kari's calling out to her. Asuka obviously chooses her over the belt. And, you know, going into that on Raw, we did have Shayna Baszler pretty much disrespecting Sasha Banks, saying, I don't want to take the title from you. I want Asuka to win it back, and I'm going to fight her because she's a real champion. Right. So I'm actually curious if they're going to set up a triple threat match at SummerSlam with those three to make it as a way for Sasha to retain. Because I feel heads up, she shouldn't beat Asuka or Shayna right now. Shayna yeah, well, and Asuka just have such a fire under them. Which is funny I, that we were literally last week talking about how Shayna and Nia Jax, something's going on there. Immediately the next week, Nia Jax is feuding with WWE officials <laughs> and Shayna Baszler yeah. is in the title picture. Right. Which... We literally put out, like, these three different scenarios that could happen, and we were dead wrong. <laughs> like, our, we did not throw out the option of Nia Jax is going to fight WWE officials. Right. Which I think she actually asked for a match with one of them at SummerSlam or something. I have no idea what's going on with Nia Jax. Uh, I feel bad for her. But then I also, like, almost don't at the same time because, like, a lot of people say, oh, no, she doesn't actually injure people. That's storyline. No, you should go watch what Kari Sane's head did multiple times mm -hmm. because of her. You should go look at Becky Lynch's nose yeah. because of what she did to her, which I did watch a video, and a lot of people were like, that was actually the best thing that ever happened for Becky Lynch's 100%. career. 100%. 100%. Because she was designed to... I'm pretty sure lose against Ronda at Survivor Series. Yep. So that match gets canceled. Everyone hates Nia, mm -hmm. and that put Becky Lynch so over that she ended up becoming the WWE uh, Raw and SmackDown champion simultaneously. Yeah, she became the man. So sure, she like that worked out for her, but it doesn't work out for everyone. Like yeah. I felt so bad when Kari hit her head on the steel steps. Like <clears throat> Nia, like I don't know if it's just like she's working with such small people to her size or what it is, but. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what's going on with her. I want to try to say I'm a fan, but she does things that I'm like, I like, but then she does so many things that I dislike right. that I'm okay with her not wrestling people and doing whatever mm -hmm. she's doing because now we're going to get Shayna, Asuka, and Sasha in this three-way feud, and that has potential for gold. Well, we might be getting that. We might, but it's obviously something's going to happen, like whether one of them is going to face Sasha or not. Like We might get Shayna versus Asuka... Monday night to determine yeah. the number one contender, which that match will be great. And then whoever faces Sasha at SummerSlam will be a great match. Or, honestly, what I think will happen is that number one contender match will happen. Sasha and Bailey get involved. And I firmly believe we're going to get a triple threat match. Because that's yeah. how you get Sasha to win without, like, one-on-one -on -one beating them. Because Sasha or Asuka and Shayna beat each other to a pulp, and Sasha just comes in and steals the, like, win. And I think... Unless they finally split up Sasha and Bailey, which I don't think they're doing. Yeah. They are so over right now, and they're, like, probably the best heels we've had in, like, ten years that I I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about this week, it seems like this is a long episode. We've gone on. There's a lot to talk about. Well, um, I think the interesting thing was the fact that we just had two things, like, with Retribution and Underground. Right. And there was just so many things. Yeah. Um, you're definitely right, but... Storyline-wise, with something to like that that is developing, is Dominic Mysterio getting his first match ha, ever? Told you, also at, called that last week. Yeah, at with, against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Uh, I'm just, very shocked. I, it's a one-on-one. -on -one. 
I thought for sure Alistair Black was going to be involved, but we said last week it looks like he might be getting a character reimage. But then something we got this past week, which got me so hyped and then so let down, was uh, Seth went over to, uh, was it Todd Phillips? I believe, yes. yeah, Todd, said, hey, you're the voice of WWE, and you're laughing at me, and you're like making a mockery of me, so I'm going to make an example out of you. And he's like, Murphy, get him. Samoa Joe stands up, and he's like, nah, dude. If you want him, you have to go through me. Stands up for Todd and then literally says, like, you want to take him for laughing at you? I was laughing harder and louder than anyone else in the world. And then points in Seth's face. He's like, I will slap you in the jaw and then I will beat you, Murphy. And I thought Gotta we were going to get Samoa Joe. Joe. Like this, Samoa Joe is so good. I've it's been a so fan great. of him for almost 20 years now. Like, I think I first saw, like, a TNA episode, maybe, like, mid-2000s with Samoa Joe. And I was like... Dude, this dude's like the coolest thing ever. He's like the biggest badass Samoan I've ever seen. Yeah. And I thought we were finally going to get a fight. And as he's about to get in the ring, Dominic shows up, takes out Seth mm. and Murphy with a kendo stick, beats them, and actually kind of wins like a 2v1 fight. And that's how we get our Dominic versus Seth match. I really thought we were going to get a tag team where someone carried Dominic. But, you know, after watching him jump off the top rope and do stuff... He might be ready. Yeah, it's... He it's, might surprise us. This match, I'm so, like, 50-50 on it. I'm so lukewarm about it. I... You know, there... Maybe this is... I don't know how to phrase it, but, like, there's so many moments and so many things that are happening that I just feel like need a crowd and need fans. And maybe having fans involved with heel Seth and... Rey Mysterio's son might keep me more... I just... I, I just not... I Maybe just Seth has just grown so stale for me over the past maybe. year. I, I just think Seth is... I think he got stale as a face. He got stale as the Universal Champion. I think he's now stale already as heel. And Dominic is just... You know, young kid, no matches... I assume he's ready to actually... I assume he's good in the ring because you wouldn't just have him have a SummerSlam match, his first ever WWE match at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins. 15 years and, after Eddie and Ray. Right. So, but you have... I, I can't imagine this match is going to be like four minutes. Like, I'd imagine that, you know, it's Seth Rollins at a, one of the four major pay-per-views. Like, he's planning to go 15 minutes. Yeah, right. I, I think they're going to give him a lengthy match. So, like, you can't obviously have Dominic squash Seth. That would, I think, ruin Seth. No, and, and you can't... And, and you can't you, squash Dominic because, well, you, you obviously want him to be a superstar. And I think this is almost going... No, I don't... To, you can't squash Dominic because what's the point of having Seth and Dominic at SummerSlam? Yep. That's why we so have I, to get, at minimum, a 15, 20-minute match with them. And I think we're probably going right. to get a stipulation on Monday of what it's going to be. Right. Uh, but I think this is almost tie into what I said with, like... Uh, Retribution, how I was like, I wish they showed moves and, like, showed they were wrestlers. Right. Whereas, I feel like this is a good example. Like, you're not invested in Dominic because we haven't seen much. Like, we've seen him get beaten up. We've seen him get beaten up. Or roll around. Dip, dive, duck, dodge, hit people with kendo sticks and take one shot off the roll. This is the first time we finally saw him do stuff. Exactly. So, I think this is, like, a good example of, like, you were like, oh, no, I'm happy they didn't do this with Retribution. But I feel like there's also, Mm. you can take things too long, like... It took Dominic, True. what, two months to finally do something? Well, that's maybe, that's not on Dominic. That's no, it's on, obviously on creative, sure. which is why I'm saying, like, I, I wish Retribution did this one thing, but I also, like, after talking to you, like, I could be like, all right, uh, if they, like, draw it out and, like, show us one by one, like, they are people, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But there is also taking it too long. Like, the first time we got a glimpse of Dominic was Ray and Brock Lesnar. Right. Everyone thought Ray was going to win the title because Dominic got involved and showed he was a wrestler but then instead they both got squashed right and fast forward now he's involved with seth and now i'm just like yo is he gonna be a superstar or not because like you need to make your decision because either this kid's irrelevant and you should just let him like go live his life or like make him a superstar right? we've seen nothing technical from dominic exactly and that's a huge part of wrestling and that's a huge part of developing a match and it's a huge part of the aesthetics of a match progressing and we've seen nothing technical from dominic we know seth can do it yeah, we obviously know Seth and Murphy. Can and do I mean, it. physically, Dominic, like compared to Seth, like he's taller, but he's not he's bigger. taller, but he's very lanky. Yes. So I, 
you know, I, I don't know how that's, you know, maybe I'm looking too far into something that isn't really going to matter in a wrestling match, but when you have to, like, you know, do the holds and you have to do the technical part of wrestling and the grappling side of wrestling, you know, we don't know what to expect from Dominic there. And I have to imagine we're going to see that on full display at SummerSlam 2020. Yeah. I, I think, like, this was a good example of, like, taking, like, drawing things out too long and also not doing things. Like, I think if over the last couple weeks we've seen Dominic do stuff, not just, like, come out like he's going to do something and then just get beat up mm. and, like, effectively just kind of, like, all that came out of it was Aleister Black getting hurt and right. theoretically getting a re-image, hopefully back to his old NXT self, but, like, we didn't get anything out of it. This was the first week we did, which is why I think people are, like, stale and over and they're like this is dumb because i feel like they almost they dragged it too long and they didn't let it build properly it's like they flatlined and now they're trying to like bring the pulse back into it so i, I i've always been giving it potential because you know it could be i've loved ray for my entire life and it's dumb it's his son so obviously you know it's got to be in his blood like he's got to be good at it and he even sounds like him, which I think is very creepy to me. Like, they both have, like, a very, like, higher-tone-pitched voice, and I'm just like, I, I can't tell if it's Ray or Dominic talking when I'm not looking at the TV, and it's very creepy to me. But, you know, Dominic could be great, and I feel WWE wouldn't be doing this if he didn't show potential in the ring. So I'm hoping maybe this Monday or the following one we get Dominic versus Murphy. You and could, it, you it could. ends with those two mugging Dominic because I don't think you can have Dominic get a win over Murphy. That's very aggressive. Uh, but he can at least show what he can do in the ring and show that he's ready. And I think that would get people interested in SummerSlam. If you just keep it being promo, promo, oh, I jumped you from behind, oh, I jumped you from behind, people are not going to be interested in the match. They're just going to be like, uh, why do I care? Like, whatever, just end the feud and go do something else. Whereas I think if you put him in a match... Show us what he can do. Get people excited. Do sure. like, like I said, I think a great thing would be you put him against Murphy. It looks like Dominic's going to win, so Seth gets involved. They beat him. That's how you get Samoa Joe involved, and you get Buddy Murphy versus Samoa Joe at SummerSlam. Those are two people that should not be left off SummerSlam. Uh, but I know something we did talk about with Samoa Joe. He might be retired and just commentary. He might still be injured. I'm praying it's just they haven't decided what to do with him, and he still wants to wrestle because he will always be one of my all-time favorites. Mm. I think Samojo's the man. Murphy, I love. I've loved him since he was 205 champion, and I thought bringing him up was great. So those two should be on SummerSlam, even if it's the uh, mm. uh, pre-show. I'm okay with that. Right. Give me, like, don't tell Samojo two hours beforehand, like Kevin Owens. <laughs> like, let them actually, like, know so he remembers to bring his ring attire. So I'm hoping they do this correctly over the next, what we got, two, three weeks? Something like that, yeah. Three weeks till SummerSlam, I think? Yeah. So, it still has time to build. I think within the week before or the second week before SummerSlam, Dominic should have a match. I called a couple things last week, like Dakota Kai going for the title, so who knows? Maybe I'll call this one, too. Maybe. Man, that's all I got this week. Yeah, like everything that's else was just little building factors. It looks like we are going to get our Carrion versus Keith, uh, yep. even though it's not sanctioned by William Regal yet, so... I am excited to, for more promos between those two. Right. Like, that's what it's building to. It's building to William Regal has to give the match, and it's. Yeah. I think it's going to be not a normal match. I think it's going to be, like, a steel cage or a uh, no-holds-barred. Like, I think we might get, like, a brutal match. I hope so, but... I don't think it's going to be normal. We'll see next week, because I, I were, it's speculation I think, now. I think this is the week Regal announces, mm -hmm. fine, you two get each other. Right. But on my terms. Probably. Because yeah. that's usually what we get with Regal, which is why you should have GMs. <laughs> <coughs> Raw and SmackDown. Absolutely. So, I'm excited for NXT. There's a couple things on Raw and SmackDown I think have potential. I think the big thing that we spent half the episode talking about was Raw Underground and Retribution. Yep. If those go the right way, I think they can start building their viewership again. But a lot of people criticize saying, oh, this is going to last three weeks like everything else WWE. I'm praying they don't see the... Ratings don't go up, so they just can't hit, which is what I think they do. They get an idea, they try it out, they don't see an improvement in the first two or three weeks, so they go, well, obviously no one cares. On to the next thing, which yeah. they need to just stop doing. Just commit to something, see it through, and if by the end it doesn't work, okay, you can do that. Yeah. But don't cut it off before it even had a chance to go. So 
We'll see what happens. I think WWE is po- like positioned to do a lot of things, but they got to do it right. Got to do it right. It's all it comes down to. So I'm going on like four hours sleep. So I've I burned. I've yeah. burnt out real quick at the end of this there, one. There was, I think there was a lot. There was even some stuff we didn't hit. Uh, like unfortunately, Dexter Loomis. It looks like he's out of the North American Championship title uh, reign. I'm hoping that's a storyline. Let's save that for next episode, Ralph. I'm going on four hours sleep again, as I said. We we don't need to cram everything well, that happens we'll find into out an episode. <laughs> if, if Dexter Loomis comes out next week, it's not storyline. He's fine. Right. We'll definitely listen. You know that you're going to get all your wrestle talk at the Face the Heel podcast. Um, Make sure to follow us on Facebook. And that's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Face the Heel on Facebook. Face the Heel One on Twitter. Was there anything else you want to talk about, Ralph? Or is there anything? Or are we good to sign off today? I think we're all set. You know, we we spent a lot of time on things, but I think there were things that need to be said. We said and I'm going gonna, gonna to send this to WWE and see if uh, maybe they take a little, take a little page out of yeah. our book and maybe do some. Maybe things. maybe next time we do the podcast, Ralph will be working for WWE Creative. But well, we'll, we'll definitely which would be awkward because we won't have another episode of the podcast. I'll just do it myself. Huh? I'll, I'll, uh, we'll just modify my voice. WWE won't have to know. We'll go from fifty-five-minute episodes to ten-minute episodes with me doing it myself, <laughs> and well, also because I can't give any input. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm Paul. That's Ralph. This is the Face the Heel podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.